the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Well, I'm excited about wrapping up our series we've been involved in for the last several weeks called Think Thanks. In fact, I would encourage you to just say that simple phrase with me right where you are. Think thanks. We're talking about the power of gratitude, the power of giving thanks to God, the importance of this in our lives. As I've been sharing over the last several weeks, it's very important to realize that there are two aspects, two very important aspects of thinking thanks. In fact, it goes along with that very phrase. You have to think before you can thank. Those words do go together. The Bible is very clear about the power of our thinking, the power of our thoughts, the power of our mind. In fact, in Scripture, Proverbs 4.23 from the contemporary or new, new century version says it this way. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Love that verse. Be careful what you think because the thoughts are really the propeller of your life. It is the rudder in some ways of your life. And then, of course, Thanking is something you do with your mouth. It's obviously an attitude you have in your heart, but it's also something that you express. And so your mind and your mouth need to work together to move you toward this expression of and lifestyle of gratitude. So what we've been looking at for the last several weeks is this relationship between our mind and our mouth and learning how to be a person of gratitude and a person of praise and why this is so extremely important. In fact, I would submit to you that it's extremely important especially during what we're going through in these days. So many challenges and difficult circumstances, all that we're facing in our world around us and our COVID situation we've been dealing with. It's so vital that we learn how to overcome these things with our attitude, with our mind and with our mouth. Now we're talking, as I said, about specifically gratitude. We're looking at the benefits of gratitude. I took a little bit of time last week and I shared with you three things that gratitude does for you. It enlarges you. It makes you bigger. It makes your life bigger. I talked about the fact that gratitude actually opens up access to God. The psalmist said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so while God is available to us, we don't always take advantage of his availability by being people of thanksgiving, entering his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We talked about how gratitude actually sets us up for miracles. It sets miracles in motion. And I want to continue that theme. This is part two of that message. I'm going to share with you four more things that gratitude will do for your life. This is why you need to be a person of thanks. See, I think sometimes we do things, but we don't understand why we're doing them. And I'm going to share with you again today four things that will help you to understand why gratitude is such an important part of your life. First thing today is this. Why do you need to be a person of praise? Why do you need to be a person of, of thanksgiving? Because it, it grows your faith. Gratitude increases your faith. I would say that perhaps faith is one of the most essential characteristics of the spiritual life. It's one of the most important things that you can ever develop in your life. The Bible is very clear about this. 
But we need to understand what faith is. In fact, the Bible defines faith for us in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is, here's what it is, confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith is accessing the realm of the invisible. It's not just confidence in anything. It's confidence in God. It's a very specific kind of confidence, not a general kind of confidence or cockiness about life. But faith says, I'm going to reach into God, and I'm going to put my hope in him, and I'm going to believe that he's going to do for me things that perhaps I can't see in the natural realm, but I know he's going to work spiritually in my life. In fact, Hebrews 11 verse 6, continuing in that same theme, that same chapter, uh, the writer continues by helping us to understand the value of faith. The Bible says, and without faith, notice that without faith, that's again, confidence in God. Believing that although he's invisible, he's working in your life. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, notice this, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I think sometimes we make faith and many elements of our spiritual journey far more complicated than they need to be. The Bible is very clear that faith is just confidence in God. It's actually believing that he exists and believing that he rewards those who diligently seek him. It's trusting in the character of God. It's trusting in the promises of God. It's a choice to believe. Here's what faith is. It's a choice to believe that God is who he says he is and that God will always do what he says that he will do. And everything we receive from God, we receive by faith. You're saved by faith. Healing and restoration comes to your life by faith. Everything that you'll ever access from God in your life is accessed by faith. And that's why it's so important that you grow your faith. Your faith is a counter signature on the check of God's promises, causing that to be, if you will, cashed or realized in your life. And so faith is vital and faith has to be grown. You don't just come full with full grown faith. You grow your faith. And faith is grown intentionally by certain things that you do. And in fact, we see in the scriptures where the Bible is clear about this increasing growth in faith. The disciples actually asked Jesus this question, actually made this request of Jesus one day after Jesus had taught them a very powerful lesson on forgiveness. They were trying to wrap their minds around how they were supposed to forgive so much. And they realized he was going to require a lot of faith to do this. And notice what they, they asked of the Lord in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Sounds like a good, very good prayer for us to pray as well. As a boy, actually a father of a boy who was demonized, this little boy was demonized, and uh, this man brought him to Jesus, and he was sort of struggling with his faith to believe that Jesus was going to deliver his boy from, his, from these demons, and he prayed this prayer recorded in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, notice the prayer, help me overcome my unbelief. In both of these verses, we see that people were reaching out for increased faith. They wanted their faith to grow. So how does our faith grow? It's not just a desire that we have, but it's, there are some things that you and I must do for our faith to grow. And one of the ways, listen closely, one of the ways that your faith will increase, I promise you, based upon God's word, that your faith will grow when you become a person of gratitude. When you give thanks to God, it will always increase your faith. Your faith gets bigger and your faith gets stronger. If you find a complainer, I promise you, people who live with an attitude of complaining, they're draining their faith. Their faith is not increasing. Their faith is decreasing. And people of praise are increasing in faith. Let me give you some reasons why 
this happens. Because first of all, when you give thanks, you become what I would call more aware of God's blessings in your life. So you can't give thanks without stopping for a moment and thinking about the blessings of God in your life. And when you think of the blessings of God in your life, you become aware of God in your life. You can't connect blessings, God's blessings, without connecting them to the source, to God. And so it turns your attention toward God. It also, when you give thanks, it increases your appreciation for God's goodness. You begin to think about all that you have in your life that you really didn't deserve, you don't deserve, but nevertheless, God, out of his goodness, has brought these things to you. And so again, you're pumping up, you're encouraging, you're building your faith, we might say. And then when you give thanks, there's this anticipation as well of God's care. In your present and your future, you can look back and say, look at what God has done here. And this is revealing the goodness of God, the appreciation of God's goodness for me. And now I know that what I'm going through right now, that the same God that has been good to me will be good to me now. And I know that I can trust him for his goodness in my future. Do you see how giving thanks begins to build your faith? It increases also your willingness and your readiness to obey God's word, God's commands. Because when you have this attitude of gratitude and realize what God has done for you and all the blessings that you have in your life, and you're focused upon that and you're expressing your gratitude to God, you're having confidence in his promises, then you'll know, you know, it's worth it to obey God. I'm not just obeying God because I have to. I'm obeying God because I want to, because there's a blessing that flows to me through obedience to God. So when you and I consistently give thanks to God, our faith increases. When we fail to give thanks to God, our spiritual faith, our inner being becomes spiritually anemic. We become weak in faith and we become weak in our relationship with God. Notice Colossians 2 verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Now notice this. Then your faith will, what does it say there? Your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. Number two, the second thing is that gratitude is a part of the, of the a key part, I would say, of the path to God's peace. I would imagine if you're like me, there are times in life when you struggle with anxieties and you struggle with fears and you struggle with worries. I would perhaps think that that's one of the most common ailments. Those kinds of issues in life are very common to all of us. We all battle with those kind of things. And tormenting anxiety and tormenting fear and tormenting worry creates a destructive atmosphere inside our hearts and inside of our minds. And we actually become limited and paralyzed and spiritually disabled and dysfunctional and joyless in life, all because our, our faith isn't strong, our confidence in God has waned, and we've given place to worry and doubt and fear and anxiety. We've lost our peace. Now, Jesus was very clear about the importance of not allowing worry and fear and anxiety to control us. Notice his words in Matthew 6, verse 25. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Jesus is talking to his disciples and said, you're not designed to carry worry. You're designed to have a confident relationship in your heavenly father. You work best. You operate best when anxiety is not controlling your life. Again, in John 14, 27, Jesus said, I'm leaving you. He's about to go through his crucifixion, his death on the cross, his ultimate resurrection, his ascension back to heaven. And he says, I'm leaving you. When I go to heaven, Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift. 
Now, listen, when somebody says they're leaving you with a gift, it should catch your attention, right? They're leaving something for you, something valuable for you. I'm leaving you with a gift, not a burden. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift of the, the a gift the world cannot give. So don't, what does it say? Don't be troubled or afraid. Very, very clear that God didn't design us to live life filled with anxieties and filled with worries and filled with fear. Now, the opposite of anxiety, worry, and fear, as I said a moment ago, is peace, the peace of God. And I think so often we don't have peace because we don't fight for it. You're not going to have peace unless you fight for it. There's a spiritual battle that goes on in your life with fear. And the Bible, in fact, calls it a spirit of fear. And the Bible talks about uh, the anxious mind, the anxious heart. And we all experience that. I experience it at times as well as you. It's not something uncommon. All of us have it in life. But we have to learn how to battle against it. And it is a warfare. And there are certain weapons that we use against these, 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 these encroachments of worry and fear and anxiety. And one of those weapons is the weapon of gratitude. That when you and I give thanks to God, we're pulling out a spiritual weapon and we're fighting against those things that, we're, that are trying to rob us of our peace. Let me show this to you in the Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. I love this from the Living Bible translation or paraphrase. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to, what does it say there? Thank him for his answers. Many times we don't focus on that part. If you do this, if you do what? If you pray and thank, pray and give thanks. If you pray and praise. If you do this, you will experience, notice what it says, God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace. So the whole topic here is the peace of God. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. And now, brothers, as I close this letter, let me say this one more thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, good, and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine, good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about it. Did you notice so clearly in this passage where the Bible says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. Many times that's where we stop, but it doesn't stop there. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. It's not just the prayer that produces peace. It's also the gratitude that produces peace. Colossians 3.15, let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking because you were all called together in one body to have peace. And then notice how he concludes this again, this verse on the peace of God, always be thankful. I'll tell you this, I'm learning this in my life. I hope that you'll learn it as well as we practice this together. If you're ungrateful, you're going to be unpeaceful. And that's not actually a word, but I'm using it here. When you're ungrateful, you're going to be unpeaceful. When you're grateful, you're now opening the door to peace in your life. It is a powerful spiritual weapon. Number three, gratitude gives hope and it also gives us a sense of expectation, hope for the future, positive anticipation for the future. Let me ask you a question today. Here's a key question for you to think about just for a moment with me. Do you regret anything in your life? 
perhaps because of your sinfulness or your imperfections or your foolishness or your failures. Everybody has regrets. Don't think that if you have regrets, you're the only one in the universe that has them. Everybody has regrets. All of us would like to go back and have a do-over with certain areas of life. There's not a single one of us that doesn't have that tendency to look back on life and regret certain things. Now, regrets can be very positive if they educate you. If they lead you to a better life, those regrets are good. They're valuable. And I think that everybody should have a a file folder mentally uh, called lessons learned. I think that's a very important mental thing, a heart thing that you carry this sort of little file folder inside of you that says, I learned a lesson from that. Very valuable in your heart, in your mind. What lessons have I learned from my regrets and from my failures? But there's another side of regret that I want to talk about just for a moment. It's not the regret of lessons learned. It's the regret of making you feel as though you're never going to get past your mistakes. It's that feeling of regret that says, you know what? I I have messed up and the accuser, the devil comes along. In fact, the Bible refers to him as an accuser, as a a destroyer. He wants to turn your regrets into a weight upon your soul. He wants to weigh you down. And many people are, are, are actually drowning spiritually and emotionally because of the weight of their regrets. They're living in guilt and shame and condemnation. And that's not the way God wants you to live. When you and I fail, it's vital that we turn to God. We repent. We let him do his work in our lives. But he never designed us to, again, carry this weight of sin, a weight of guilt and shame and condemnation over our sin, over our failures, over our regrets. Sometimes these reminders come from the outside, but most often they come from the inside, inside of our own heart and inside of our own mind. The writer of Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews 12, verse 1. As for us, we all have these great witnesses who who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go. Would you say that word with that phrase with me right now? Let go. So we must let go of every wound, or one translation says every weight. Let go of every wound or every weight that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. He says, let go of all the weight of things that are weighing upon you, the wounds of your past that have pierced you and the sin that all of us so easily fall into. And then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. One of the best ways to lay aside the wounds of your past, to lay aside the weights of your past, is to practice gratitude, to begin to be a person of praise and thanksgiving to God. Let me give you some examples of how you can do this, that when you wake up in the morning or sometime during your day or before you go to bed at night, you begin to say, God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you for the love of God that is directed toward me. God, I thank you that your mercy has been given to me. God, I thank you that I'm the object of your grace. I thank you, Lord, that you're the God of forgiveness. I thank you that you, God, have redeeming power and you have you have renewing power and you have restorative power. and You have uh, salvation and deliverance that you bring to my life. God, I offer you praise for who you are. Remembering that the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't bad news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. And what gratitude does for you is that gratitude focuses your heart and your mind away from the bad news of your past, the bad news of your regrets, and it brings you into the good news of God's love and God's mercy and God's grace and the future that God has planned for you. Gratitude is a great thing. It gives you hope for your future. 
the final point I want to make to, uh, for us this weekend. I hope this will be valuable, valuable for you as well. Is that gratitude is a blessing in our life because it improves your relationships. What is the primary fuel of a good relationship? If you want a good relationship with someone, what do you need more than anything else? I'll tell you what you need more than anything else in a good relationship. And this is the thing that destroys more relationships than anything else. What you need in a good relationship is positive communication. That's really what you need. Positive communication. And so when you express gratitude to God and gratitude to others, that is one of the most positive aspects of communication that you can practice. Do you understand? I hope we all do the power of two little words. Thank you. Just those two little words, what it can do for a relationship. When you consistently just simply use those two words, thank you, thank you for, and sharing with another person or with God what you're grateful for. And sadly, many, many relationships are what I would call gratitude deprived. They just don't have very much gratitude going on between people and, or between us and God. And so because of that, this little bit of gratitude, the relationship begins to shrivel up and becomes a very emaciated relationship and unhealthy because relationships run on love. And part of love is expressing gratitude. Everybody needs gratitude. Everybody does best in an atmosphere of appreciation. And the Bible contains lots of references to the positive power of gratitude in relationships. Listen to Paul. This is just one example of the great apostle Paul, a guy that did incredible things for God, but he never forgot the people around him. Notice what he writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9. How we thank God for you. Paul is writing to this church in Thessalonica, and he writes and says, How we thank God for you because of you. We have great joy as we enter into God's presence. I could use actually verse after verse to show you Paul's gratitude toward people and the value that he placed upon those relationships. When you express gratitude to God and when you express gratitude to others, what it does for you is this. It strengthens the commitment that you have in that relationship. It increases the appreciation. Why? Because what you appreciate, appreciates. It creates unity and harmony. It, it causes there to be a greater level of momentum in your relationships. It, it brings out the best in the other person. That when you are showing gratitude, it's drawing out the best aspects of that person's life. It causes your feelings to grow and to enhance, be enhanced in the strength of the relationship emotionally to be stronger, the affection to be stronger that you feel toward another person. I will tell you this. Gratitude improves relationships. I want to conclude by just reminding you of some things we've talked about for the last couple of weeks. Gratitude is so powerful in your life because gratitude brings blessings to you. It's not that God is up in heaven saying, I, you got to praise me. No, God wants us to praise him and thank him because it brings benefit to our lives. It enlarges us. It opens access to the presence of God. It allows us to see miracles being set in motion. It causes our faith to grow. It causes us to experience more and more of God's peace. It gives us a hope for our future and it improves every relationship in our lives. I would say that gratitude is a very important thing. Can I encourage you to make the decision in your life to be a person of thanks? 
Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.